1: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com writingexcuses. Season 17. Episode 13.
2: This is Writing Excuses, structuring around a thing. Fifteen
1: minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan, I'm Mary Robinette, I'm Pung, and I'm Howard.
2: And today we're going to talk about structuring around a thing, uh, whether that thing is a, a map or a location or an object or a whatever. Uh, Pung, I find this an absolutely fascinating uh, idea, which I can think of so many examples of, but it had never occurred to me that it was a type of structure. Um, to, to Talk about it a little bit. Uh, wh- what do we mean when we say structuring around a thing?
3: Yeah. So there are several different types of things uh, that you can structure around. Um, so like you said, a map um, or a, um, a place, for example, like everyone is contained within a spaceship or a train, uh, or you can structure around something that's got um, a set of rules, like a game or some kind of a built-in countdown, like a date that we're heading towards. Um, and so all of these different types of things that you can structure around will benefit your story in a different way. Um, and we can talk about the, the different types, but, uh, for example, if you've got, uh, a story that you're structuring around a map that will automatically give your readers a little bit of an idea of where you are like literally going, um, uh, versus if you 're structuring around something like a date like a countdown to a date, that will give you um kind of an automatic pacing bonus I think because you you know if you know where the story's ending, then you know exactly how far you have to get there, and it will um just create this like natural propulsion that'll pull you through towards the end
1: I just realized that dan 's makeover does exactly that thing. <laughs> It is structured. <laughs> Every chapter begins with you know, countdown to the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, congratulations, Dan, on using a structure you didn't a realize. A structure were... I
2: didn't realize was a structure. Yeah, and I did that uh, on purpose, uh, in part because <laughs> I, it, it helped me to keep the timeline correct. Uh, when I first, you know, built the book, I wanted to make sure everybody knew when things were taking place. How, long, uh, had, how much time had passed between chapters and things like that. But structuring it specifically as a countdown to the end of the world uh, helped me set proper expectations for the book, uh, which still surprised a lot of people because we're accustomed to happy endings and everyone thought I was going to save the world. Nope, we've been counting down to the end of it since the very first chapter. Uh, this, is, this is how it's going to end.
4: I told you what was going to happen. Why are you mad? Yeah, <laughs> this does not count as a
1: spoiler since he tells you at the beginning of the, the book, end of the world comes. Uh, but the, there's uh, so the, the, the calendar, the, the um, all of these, but there's a there's a specific trope in science fiction, um, uh, often in science fiction, uh, which is sometimes called the deadly maze, um, mm. where uh, and a, a really classic example of this is uh, Diamond Dogs by Alastair Reynolds, where they go in and they have to get through this tower, this alien artifact. And so each each segment is getting deeper into the artifact. And uh, um, you, you'll see other examples of this um, uh, planet fall. Uh, by Emma Newman also has has an element of that. And it, I think it's, again, it's not something that I thought about um, as a, a way to plan my structure, but it is absolutely there. I think um, also there are elements of that in uh, Paranasi, which was uh, last week's book of the, the week, which is a really interesting idea of of using that, the, the physical constraints of something to, to also, um, to, to affect your story? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's especially
3: helpful for, um, if, if you like the term plotters versus pantsers, uh, I, I would describe myself as a pantser. And I think it, this kind of, um, building your story around a thing, especially if it's location-based or time-based, uh, can really help you figure out where you're going uh, if you're not very good at outlining, which I'm not. Um, so there's um, there, there's another really great example. It's called, um, I think the whole series is called The Tower of Babel, and it's by Josiah Bancroft. The first book is called Senlin Ascends. The main character's name is Senlin. And it's about a husband and wife that go to the Tower of Babel, which in this book is this kind of like, giant amusement park almost like just huge, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of levels. And um, of course they get separated at the beginning. And one of the last things she says to him is if we get separated, meet me at the top. And so he spends the whole Mm -hmm. book trying to get to the top. Um, And it's just such a, um, it's just such a great device because you, even though you don't know whether you're the reader or the writer. uh, So I was thinking about it as a writer the whole time I was reading this book. So Even as a writer, if you don't know exactly what you're going to do on every level, uh, you know your end goal, which is to get to the top and hopefully find your wife. Um, But you've got – it's just such a great structure because the Tower of Babel has, you know, I don't know, say 100 floors. And, um, you know, you're going to go so many floors every chapter or so many floors every book, I think, because it's a four-book series. And so it just – it's just such a – it's like an outline – just just gifted to you you know
2: <laughs> yeah um, the the movie die hard is structured in in a similar way not that it is a quest to the top but it's so easy to to watch that movie and think you know I've written scenes that way before where I'm like okay they're in this building they cannot leave it these that means they have these resources they have this method of moving around um, they have these restrictions. How am I going to get him out of here? And for a writer, it really is, like you said, it's like having an outline just gifted to you for free in some ways, because you get to think your way through that location um, in a way that is not only uh, kind of the the restrictions make it both easier and they force you to be creative. And they also make it very relatable. We've all been in a building before. We know how they work. And so we can kind of, with John McClane or with these other characters, kind of think our way through, well, what would I do if I were stuck in a building with terrorists? And I Mm -hmm. think it's no accident that after Die Hard came out, uh, the action movie genre exploded with a million Die Hard clones. This is Die Hard, but on a bus. This is Die Hard, (laughs) but on a cruise ship. This is Die Hard, but, you know, in a small town um, where they were very location-based because... That makes the story a little easier to tell and also very relatable
5: mm-hmm.
1: another really kind of fun um thing to base a story around is a deck of cards um i I have someone I wish I could tell you to go read this because uh but it's not published yet um, but uh one of my there's someone that i another writer that I know is working on something. Um, where each each story is um, is actually based on a tarot deck and oh, so cool. it's it's working yeah it's working through through this tarot deck and uh, Cecilia Tan has um, a, a spread and we'll, we'll put the, uh, the the storytellers tarot spread where um, she takes a deck of Tarot cards, and puts down this spread, um, which has the the left hand, which is the path of change, and the right hand, the way things are going. Um, and so, literally, uses a tarot deck to help her plot her novels. Sometimes, um, uh, we'll we'll put the link in the uh, in the liner notes to her her blog post about it. But it's really interesting to think about that kind of um, that kind of thing, you know, that the, the artifact as a, as a way to find your way through something.
4: Yeah. There's a, there's a feedback aspect to this that um, that I'm super aware of because I'm usually doing the, the space opera version of this, which is uh, you know, each, the story is is location based and each location is a new chapter and and occasionally i'll realize we only went to this location because it was the only place where this piece could could unfold um but i didn't flesh it out enough it's not this location doesn't feel real yet it doesn't feel like uh you know i as a reader going through this would think well That was lazy. We should have just found a way to do that task at one of the other locations. Why is this chapter even here? And so when you are using, um, you know, structuring around a thing as a structure, you may realize that it's reflexive and you have to look back at the thing and make the thing more fleshed out in support of the story you're trying to tell.
6: Hey, writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today.
2: Uh, Pung, you're going to talk about The Flanders Panel.
3: Yes, uh, The Flanders Panel by Arturo perez Reverte. I think it's uh, from 1990 or something, so it's a little bit older. Uh, but it's a perfect example of building your story around a thing. And the thing in this story is a chess game. Uh, so it's about this. Uh, she's a young art historian. I think her name is Julia. And she's hired to restore this 15th century painting uh, that depicts uh, a couple of players locked in a chess game, and while she's working, she uncovers this um, kind of like hidden, hidden inscription under the paint, and it says like who who killed the knight or who killed, um, I think it's who killed the knight, and so she realizes that um, because she starts to investigate the work more, she realizes that. The chess game that's depicted in the painting isn't just a game, but it's actually a riddle, like a puzzle, that was constructed to to answer that question, that somebody in this painting was murdered. And the, ch- the pieces, the chess game, is the answer to who did it. Um, and then, of course, as she starts to dig, her own friends start to turn up dead one by one. And then somebody starts sending her advice for chess moves to continue the game in the uh, In the painting. And so she has to figure out how to win the game based on the moves that she already has, uh, you know, before basically before the killer gets to her. Um, And so in the book, every couple, it's usually like every chapter, every time Julia decides to make um, the next move, the author has included a diagram of the chessboard with the move done. And so you can follow along with the game as you read and watch how the pieces move. So it's just, it's just incredibly addictive, especially if you play chess. Um, but even if you don't play chess, you have, you know, we're all vaguely familiar with, uh, you know, check and then checkmate, and then that's how the game ends. And so it's just such a great, um, you know, that Perez Rivera uses the structure of this book um, by by focusing all around this game. So you kind of know, you know where you started and then you can follow every chess move, and then you know where you're going to end because you, when the game is over, either she's won or not.
2: That sounds Same. so cool. Yeah, oh, it's so, it's yeah, such yeah, a great, great book.
3: Amazing! I'm very excited by this. <laughs> it's a wonderful book.
2: All right. Well, let's. Uh, here's some other examples. What are some other uh, books or stories you can think of that have been structured around a thing? And how has that affected the story itself?
1: I'm actually going to jump in and and try to do a a practical example of how you might explore this idea. Because as we've been talking, um, you'll you'll note that at the beginning of this sequence, I talked about how I was struggling with the Martian contingency. So uh, for us, in real time, only about three hours or two hours have passed since I said that. (laughs) <laughs> uh, But for you, it's been several weeks. Um, But as we've been talking, I'm like, ah, in the Martian contingency, one of the things that's happening is that they are building the new base on Mars. And an interesting structure that I might that I find that, you know, that hadn't occurred to me as a way to structure it is as they build each module and it unpacks. Because what that would allow me to do, and I'm talking my way through it, um, hopefully as a useful representative example, um, also because I'm excited. Um, but what that might allow me to do is every time they get a new module built, another set of uh, the passengers that the colonists come down to join. So it's going to be, wind up being this, it would wind up being um making it a little bit more expansive each time with a larger cast of characters. And it would also allow me to pace adding in the hundred people that I need to <laughs> bring down to the planet without overwhelming the the readers all up at the front. So it would allow me to start with something kind of familiar. Anyway, this is very interesting, but this is the kind of noodling that that you might find yourself doing as you're listening to these episodes. That if you're stuck on something, you might go, "Oh, wait, wait, wait! This could let me do this thing." What were you gonna, Pung? Well,
3: I just, uh, I was just thinking, my my greatest fear would be uh, that somebody says something brilliant during this podcast, and then I just totally tune out because I'm like, "Oh, my book," and then <laughs> I forget to say anything. Oh, it happens that. to me, yeah. I mean, it would be great. Like, I really want it to happen, but also, I I don't want to. <laughs>
2: I I would so much rather have people listen to their own muse than to me. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, What you're
2: describing, Mary Robinette, uh, really sounds to me like um, the way that a lot of board game rules are structured, uh, Hmm. where there's almost different tutorial levels. Like, here, play through this little scenario of it. Now we're going to add in this new thing, this different deck of cards or this extra board or this... Thing that will make the game more complex once you've mastered uh, these first little bits of rules and and concepts, and so now I'm thinking about uh, how I could structure a book around a, a board game uh, rule set or a tutorial oh, yeah. for video game kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, slowly increasing the complexity over time
4: I mean that's what Jumanji is, right? yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the first Jumanji movie we know we are at the end game when someone has rolled the dice and could land right on the finish line. You know, it's yeah. right there. It's, it's a progress bar.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: So. And the and- recent
2: Jumanji movies have done the same thing with a video game. They establish yep. right up front. These are the rules of the game. This is how this works. This is how your powers work. This is how many lives you have. And then uses that structure throughout once it's set the expectations to create humor, to create tension, to let us know what their end goal is. Pong. This yeah. was a really good
4: topic.
1: Yeah, yeah. I am delighted oh, well, that we had a chance yeah. to talk
4: about it. I hope yeah. our audience has had <laughs> half so many epiphanies during the course of the episode as we've had.
2: We have. <laughs> Howard, you have got the homework here. Tell us what we're going to do.
4: I have got the homework, and I'm going to I'm going to open first by saying that. In reading the in in reading Pung's notes for this episode, I realized that my current work in progress has two things, two elements, which can function as structural cues, structural scaffolding for the plotting. One is a, a the chassis that an AI has just been uh, just been allowed to move into, and the other is the space station which is an agglomeration of uh, smashed together spaceships. Um, so the architecture is very different from module to module. And, and I realized that both of these can function as as ways for me to pace and structure the story. Um, your homework is to look at your work in progress and identify a thing or things, whether it's a map, or a boondoggle, or a MacGuffin, or whatever, a thing or things that can function as a structure to help you unfold the story.
2: All right. You are out of excuses. Now go write.
1: This has been Writing Excuses. Your hosts for this episode were Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, Pung Shepherd, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. The liner notes and transcripts for this episode are available at writingexcuses.com. To learn more about us and to support us, visit patreon.com writingexcuses.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants.